Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include LO Basics, part two of my interview with Techmore's Chris Wiley on how mortgage companies can best assess the benefits of AI for their organizations, and how the higher for longer interest rate narrative is shaping the bond markets. Thanks to today's podcast sponsor, Vizio Lending. Vizio is the nation's premier lender for buy and hold investors with over $2.5 billion closed loans for single-family rental properties, including vacation rentals. Vizio is fast, simple, and dependable when it comes to financing rental properties. They believe time is money and strive to be upfront and consistent about their qualifications. Using a simple DSCR rather than a complicated NOI calculation, there are no tax returns or personal financial statements, and their pricing is set, so you always know your rate. Learn more, including about Vizio's top-notch broker program, at VizioLending.com. I was very excited last Saturday when I rode my bike by a garage sale and saw the Holy Bible for sale with a signed edition sticker on it. Of course I bought it. How cool is that? Trains are pretty cool, too. A railroad conductor needs to make sure he doesn't go down the wrong track and lose his train of thought. Sounds like I'm losing my train of thought. Okay, back to mortgage. Musings around the industry include how LOs must get back to the basics, including clear routines and discipline. We must provide education and guidance since LOs are in the people business. Technology is a great tool, but not the end-all in the loan process. AI may not take your job, but somebody who can use AI might. Lenders and real estate agents are asking, how are companies training a new generation of LOs and other residential mortgage workers? For today's interview, I want to welcome back onto the show Techmore's Chris Wiley for part two of an interview on how mortgage companies can best assess the benefits of AI for their organizations. He's managing partner with Techmore Services and has been enabling mortgage bankers to maximize profitability and scalability through value-added services for over 20 years. He advised banks and credit unions for a decade before his engagement to help launch MCT Trading, and he's facilitated Techmore engagements since 2007. Not just a consultant, he and his team helped launch and operate one of the few mortgage lenders that originated FHA 1023 short refis for capital markets execs at 60 hedge funds and dozens of lost servicers. You had referenced previously that you're all about data and AI needs data to learn. But I want to talk to you how, about how data can be transformational for lending organizations, in your opinion, since you're working with the data all the time. How do you feel like data can transform lending organizations and the products they offer? Well, so let me uh, back up one step to the foundation. Uh, data is documents. We learned something that changed our world during the forensic defense years of 2009 to 2015, that data as presented you know, in securitizations, things like that, is crap. Forgive my, my French. Uh, data is materially unreliable. Um, documents are all that matter in the mortgage industry, especially when you go to foreclosure and loss mitigation um, or upsell, cross-sell, and refi. doesn't matter. They, the documents are all that matter. So first and foremost, you have to be able to get the real data out of the documents that really govern the file after it closed. If you have that, you have a gold mine, right? People like SoFi 
are doing something that I pitched to uh, Brian Libman at Finance of America seven years ago. SoFi is trying to figure out how to not get in trouble like Wells Fargo did, you know, cross-pollinating the client's data across all their separate 270 companies. Um, but they want to get your car loan. I mean, you think about it, you do a mortgage application, and if you can really parse the data beyond it's a car loan, this is a car loan on a 10-year-old car that's got one year left to pay off, bam, off from an instant pre-approval, right? Credit cards, uh, the um, student loans, all out, SoFi. Uh, SoFi did it backwards. SoFi said, let's go refi the student loans and we'll learn all about the borrower and we'll sell them everything else. Now there's all kinds of legal hurdles and CFPB and everybody else in the middle of this. You can't just do this. It's not that easy. But the data is a gold mine. And data, not only the data from the origination, but data, ongoing data from organizations that I, I have nothing to do with these guys other than I'm acquainted with them, but like informative research um, or e even to Candor's credit. Um, but if you take what Candor's doing and you do that to live loans in servicing, like Keith's alma mater, if you're a big servicer, and you get 100 calls a day for portfolio defense, whether you like it or not, right? What you know about that borrower, you know, are they a, are they about to cap out on all their credit cards and they need to skip a payment to save them from going into default and then they'll be fine? Um, are they going shopping? You know, any anybody can buy a trigger lead and say, oh, oops, they're going shopping with somebody else. I got to try to save my loan. But if you... D the the amount of data, well, let me give you the quantification, right? Fannie 3.2 was like 1,500 data elements. Mismo 3.4, up to 3,500 elements, and 1,500 of them aren't even defined well enough for two parties to exchange them. We extract over 100,000 data elements out of a two-borrower, both-employed file, right? There's nowhere to even put that in an LOS. So the uh, can I combine this with one of your other questions where the industry is going? Do you mind? Totally. Okay. So think about it this way. Back to what I just said about how I pitched Brian Libman, and he bought up 17 companies and took them public. He kind of did the same thing, but he never did the cross-selling, cross-merger, all that sort of thing with Finance of America. And their mortgage companies are all closed now anyway, <laughs> except maybe the reverse that they had. But the point is, if I'm SoFi, and, I, and I'm, they're not my client, I'd love to do business with them, but uh, there's, I just don't, I don't know them. But I know about them from personnel, from management consultants who've worked with them. If you're SoFi, number one, you have a command of your servicing book. Number two, you learned everything about, the, you, you don't learn everything about the borrower from a Fannie 3.2 file or from a MISMO file, but you do from my data. And if they're gathering, if they have a team doing what I'm doing, it's getting this massive data set. And they can predictively analyze. Now you can go to IR, informative research, and have them predictively analyze the behavior. Or, you know, I'm sure Candor will introduce models like that. Uh, by the way, I'm in the underwriting business. I'm not in the futuristic stuff right now. <laughs> but the point is that I think what's going to happen is, okay, two things. That data effectiveness is going to make it so much more effective due to portfolio retention that the runoff will get slower and slower. You, the investments in the servicing books will be better. 
the guy who can stop his portfolio, who, who has better portfolio defense, could pay a slightly higher price for a loan. Uh, if I drive down your cost to produce, I, I have a direct experience with this. I help create MCT trading. We had, you know, when I I ran the business for a year or so, we had, you know, dozens and dozens of clients. And if I improved their pricing, they passed it straight through to their loan officers, right? So if I help a lender reduce their cost to produce through AI technology that enables their underwriters and their pre-funding QC and their post-closing QC and all that, they'll take that lower cost to produce and most of them don't pocket it. They pass it through as a better price. Well, they also have shorter time cycles, same day conditions on files, same day clear to purchase on files, right? If you have that, guess what? In my opinion, what you're going to see happen, people are going to use the better data. They're going to use the shorter cycle time. They're going to use the lower cost. And they're going to do what UWM has done in consolidating the broker industry. They're going to aggregate the brokers. If they're in the branching business, they're going to aggregate the branches. Branches move for you know 24-hour cycle time on loans, right? Um, I mean, branches are are mobile creatures. Um, the brokers, you know, obviously UWM has done a fantastic job. Some people would say they've even overstepped in doing things that they're not supposed to do for the broker, but the brokers love them. If the organizations who embrace AI, and you have a separate question we'll come to, but the, but embrace it in things that knock out cycle time, that increase accuracy, could increase predictability of the borrower, and, uh, and and empower the broker or loan officers to do a really broad range of product. They don't have to be an expert at you know three borrower self-employed and seven property REO schedules. They just know that it'll work. It changes the game, and those players who do it are going to aggregate the market. I think. And I, I want to ask you, since it, it seems like it's, there's rapid adoption out there in the industry, how does an organization best assess the benefits looking at AI for their future workflow needs? Well, I think you have to do it, think of it as point solutions, right? I've always said there's five steps. Step zero is the loan is the sales point of sale step. There's a whole bunch of point of sale vendors that are completely disconnected from uh, underwriting vendors. Then you have underwriting vendors. You know, we have a field we compete with. Um, and including manual underwriting and MI companies still still do contract underwriting, by the way, right? Um, then you have your pre-funding QC vendors, and then you have your post-closing QC vendors. Um, you have your uh, large-scale trade vendors like AMC, right? That will do your you know big MSR trades and things like that. If you, I think in the you know to quote to quote Garth Graham from Stratmore, it's a cost to produce problem, right? Everybody's got to reduce costs. That is all that matters in 2024. Because if you can't get your cost to produce down, you're going out of business, right? I've talked to multiple lenders in the last 60 days that are telling me that their bottom line is less than five basis points, right? They are getting crushed right now. So either they merge into bigger shops who have lower cost to produce or they go out of business. And But if you're going to look at the point solutions, you have to look at where your scalability problem is, right? Is your scalability problem loan officers? Could be if you're in the branching business. Is your scalability, for most clients, the, the choke point is underwriting. 
right? I have a little client that I told you earlier, Robbie, that I focus on clients that know what 100 files a day looks like. And these guys are doing 10 files a day right now. They're they're you know trying to rev it up, and they got 18 files in on Friday, and like. Oh no, oh no, 18 files. We can't get through them. No, we were through them. They were all published by 10 o'clock on Monday morning, right? And the scalability that gave them in that example, the uh, working with Keith's shop, we went from, you know, calibrating on 30 or 40 files to 250 files a day in, in a couple of weeks, right? So, by the way, I said it earlier AI has humans. We have humans in the loop. There's QC people that are full-scale underwriters that have to look at every file released by the machine and post it into the client's system. So there are choke points that are little bits of scalability, but the thing is that, and I can't speak for other vendors, but for my clients, I can double volume in a day. If, they, if they're doing 100 files a day and they get 200 files submitted, no problem. We'll get them out tomorrow. They won't be out at 9 a.m. They'll be out at 4 p.m., Right. If they triple their volume in two weeks, I can, you know, I won't have to work through weekends anymore. All I'm doing is allocating more machines on AWS, right? And a couple more QC people. So there is a massive scalability issue that you gain. And if you think about your scalability choke points, the biggest one is underwriting. And if you reduce the number of underwriting touches, I'm talking to shops today that are having six touches. I mean, everybody says, oh, yeah, we have three, but that doesn't count the emailed uh, sets of bank statements that went to the underwriter to see if they work. That's a touch, right? So if I can reduce touches, I can reduce cost, I can drive scalability. So if people are looking at it, you know, the um, if you are a correspondent, non-Dell, mini-core, I mean, you, you, you have a channel and you support um, brokers who become bankers, what I think of as mini-core. Uh, if you support fully delegated correspondents who are just not comfortable with VA, so they do it non-Dell to you, right? The cycle times on that underwrite, on that file coming in from that big guy who just needs you to give them a clear to close, right, are everything. It can't be four days. It needs to be 12 hours, four hours. Right. So these are the if you're a correspondent channel operator, you're going to look at my non-delegated underwriting and my prior to purchase review. Can I get my prior to purchase tips out in 24 hours? And can I clear them the next day when they come in and buy the loan within 72 hours? If I'm buying loans within 72 hours or four or five days max, and my competitor, you know, over it, you know, I'm not going to name lenders, but my big competitor down the street takes three weeks to buy loans and I'm a modest size seller. I can't turn my line. I need to turn my warehouse line three times a month. I'm going to sell. I'll even take a little worse price to get the fast purchase off my warehouse line. So I'm rambling now, but I, I hope that helps you think about it. You, they have to think about the choke point, but here's the, the problem I'll leave you with on this. The AI tools that are out there According to the cross-reference that I, I mentioned that I didn't create, that somebody else created, the problem with them, most of them are totally data dependent. They're not actually evaluating the documents. So the Achilles heel of most of them is the documents. And think about what are you doing during pre-funding QC? 
you're checking the documents to see if you have a safe loan to close. So the biggest problem in the industry is people are looking, people are telling me, uh, you could name any one of the top 10 indexing platforms. They all only commit to 90% accuracy. The humans on their staff have to fix the other 10%, and they don't tell you where the 10% of the mistakes are. The Are you trying to solve your, your document imaging problem, or are you trying to solve the actual pre-funding QC or underwriting or prior to purchase review problem, right? I would argue a lot of lenders, um, especially the big ones who have chief technology officers or chief information officers who have been tasked with building this stuff, they're focused on the ground level solutions, trying to make the imaging thing work better, trying to get RPA or robotic process automation to speed things up. They're not focused on, like I am, the end solution, which is, is this loan safe to close? What are the conditions on the loan? Is the loan safe to purchase? Does that make, does that help? Because, it, you know, again, the choke points are human. What happens if you double your volume? But what problem are you solving? Are you solving it gets indexed faster? That doesn't help the underwriter underwrite more files. Chris, very well put. I, I really enjoyed all this. I thought this was really valuable info and, and I enjoyed talking to you. So thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. And uh, we look forward to talking again soon. The higher for longer interest rate sentiment that has dampened the economic outlook and driven bond yields higher of late changed yesterday after 10-year treasury yields were spotting north of 5% at times, but the bond market did have a welcome rally to the close. Fixed income security prices, which of course include a decent chunk of mortgage-backed securities, have remained under pressure as recent data highlights resiliency throughout the economy. Unlike the run-up in yields seen during the financial crisis, today's spreads between the 10-year treasury and 30-year mortgages are much wider than historical norms. This has pushed 30-year mortgage rates to a 23-year high of 7.6%, although other sources put the average rate closer to 8%. The lack of homes inventory has been a plague for many months. Existing home sales continue to fall and were at their slowest pace since 2010. Additionally, the slowing pace of purchase mortgage applications suggests they may fall further. Sales of new single-family homes have ticked up as builders rely on rate buy-downs and other discounts to move inventory. Single-family building permits have risen for eight consecutive months. That's good news. The Mortgage Bankers Association has recently called on the Federal Reserve to formally announce they have reached the end of the current interest rate hiking cycle, as well as to commit to not actively selling their MBS holdings. By providing much-needed certainty to the markets, the spread between mortgage rates and treasuries may move back toward historical levels, thereby providing much-needed relief to the housing market. Today's economic calendar includes Philadelphia Fed non-manufacturing surveys for October, Redbook same-store sales, Preliminary October S&P Global PMIs, Richmond Fed Manufacturing and Services, a Treasury auction of $51 billion of two-year notes, and a plethora of earnings announcements from Wall Street. We begin the day with agency MBS prices a few ticks or 30 seconds worse than Monday's close, and the 10-year yielding 4.87 after closing yesterday at 4.84%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. There was a Scottish painter named Smokey McGregor who was very interested in making a penny where he could, so he often thinned down his paint to make it go a wee bit further. 
As it happened, he got away with this for some time. But eventually the Baptist church decided to do a big restoration job on the outside of one of their biggest buildings, next to an old graveyard. Smokey put in a bid, and because his price was so low, he got the job. So he set about erecting the scaffolding and setting up the planks, and buying the paint, and yes, I'm sorry to say, thinning it down with turpentine. Well, Smokey was up on the scaffolding, painting away, with the job nearly completed, when suddenly there was a horrendous clap of thunder. The sky opened and the rain poured down, washing the thin paint from all over the church, and knocking Smokey clear off the scaffold to land on the lawn among the gravestones, surrounded by telltale puddles of the thinned and useless paint. Smokey was no fool. He knew this was a judgment from the Almighty. So he got down on his knees and cried, Oh God, oh God, forgive me, what should I do? Sorry, that was more British than Scottish, but... And from the thunder, the mighty voice spoke. Repaint, repaint, and thin no more. <laughs> Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Vizio Lending, and its top-notch broker program. Vizio is the nation's premier lender for buy-and-hold investors, with over $2.5 billion closed loans for single-family rental properties, including vacation rentals. Learn more at VizioLending.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at Robbie at RobChrisman.com. Visit RobChrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.